Hey, listeners. This is Alex, your host of EOA, Entrepreneurs of Asia. After more than a decade of venture building, bootstrapping, scaling, and now investing in Southeast Asia, I sit down with founders, investors, and entrepreneurs who share their hard-earned lessons and stories for the benefit of the Asia ecosystem and beyond. This episode was recorded towards the end of 2021. For anyone looking for insights on how a younger generation is thinking about entrepreneurship, family business, working for or selling to an SME, how to drive innovation in an organization, this episode is for you. We sit down with Brian Su, Chief Innovation Officer of Firefighter Industries. Firefighter Industries is one of the oldest fire safety companies in Malaysia, approaching close to half a century in history here. Brian has a diverse background and wide interest, which has greatly influenced his current success today. Despite Brian launching his own startup and running a pretty successful YouTube channel for a short stint, he ended back in the family business driving change and innovation. What exactly is innovation? Why should you be on TikTok? Marketing and content strategy. What makes good content? Refounding and entrepreneurship and how to sell to an SME is what you will learn in this episode. Feel free to skip around chapters if your podcast platform supports it. The first 16 minute discusses Brian's background, while after that we go deeper into the topics. If you're ready to learn, let's dive right in. Brian Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Okay, so today with us we have Brian Sue, Chief Innovation Officer of Firefighter Industries. To start off, uh, we'll talk about your background a bit. It's okay? Sure, yeah. And uh, this will be my getting in touch with the youngsters episode. <laughs> Not that young. La. <laughs> Not that young, but uh, younger than me and uh, some of our friends. Yeah. Um, for the audience to get an idea, how old are you? I'm 27 this year. 27. I feel a little older, reaching the 30s. Uh, but in a retrospect, um, I'm actually much younger than um, my parents who are in their 60s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, but also, it feels like in my mind, you're a lot younger because I probably had met you a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then back then, you were probably what, like 24. 24, yeah. yeah. Early, that, early 20s, yeah. That feels a lot younger. Than, and I think you've gone through a lot of experiences where you've matured a lot probably. Yeah. I'm trying to, right? Trying to mature. Uh, I yeah. think uh, time has, has pushed me to mature a bit faster than I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, yeah, when you're very busy, what you'll find out is that uh, your 20s fly by really fast. So you should really take a moment to take it in and enjoy it. Because three years from now, man, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to hit you really fast. Yeah, I'm trying to slow down time. But I don't think anyone has learned how to slow down time yet. Not yet, at least. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm going to be 35 that's just crazy to say it. I thought I had more time, but my, my 30s are flying through too. Yeah. Especially with COVID and everything. So. That's true. Okay. So um, let's talk about your background. Mm-hmm. You, since you're relatively young, uh, most of your experience probably has been with the family business, right? That is correct. But prior to that, you had experiences in internships with, with the family business, banking, and dabbled in entrepreneurship is fair to say, right? Yep. Dabbling is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you studied at UC, University of California, San Diego, yep. 2013 to 2017. And afterwards, uh, with your dabbling, you did your startup from the last year of university and probably through San Francisco when you moved there, right? So San- that is correct. For, for the audience to understand, San Diego, like California is probably most of the West Coast, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you say. Yeah. And, and San Diego is at the very tip of it. Mm-hmm. And then San Francisco is kind of in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have a really good experience of Southern California to... I guess they, they consider it Northern California, but geographically it looks like in the middle. It's, still, it's actually in the middle, but most people think it's at the tip yeah, because uh, there's nothing much on top <laughs> above it, right? And so, you know, you dabbling in startups, and this was like probably the 
prime peak of like you know ride share. This is when I was building Easy Taxi, right? Right. So, yes. but you were you were still in California. You had gotten your green card. Yep. Through, through the lottery, which was yeah. uh, very lucky. Yeah. Um, you dabbling was that you know a result of the experience of even in San Diego was there an influence of startups or what was that like? Yeah. So I think um, about what five years ago, five, six, seven years ago. I think like on the news is all about like startups uh, becoming unicorns. I think unicorns were, were yeah. sort of new still. Um, there's only like maybe a hundred like unicorns in, mm-hmm. in the world at that time. Um, and you know, I, I'm just like reading news all the time. It's like, oh, this this 20 year old founder just just <laughs> uh, got like seed funding for 100 million or something like that, right? Yeah. And it seemed really cool, right? Uh, it seemed very cool. Uh, I think in Malaysia at that time, um, people were pushing for startup culture, especially the government as well. Uh, yeah. I think the magic. Uh, the Malaysian um, Entrepreneurship uh, Innovation Center was basically um, pushing for more Malaysians to to do more startups, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, I actually joined a startup competition, um, mm. the first Magic um, Startup Weekend. Um, I just did it on a whim, right? So I, okay. I was just Googling like startup competitions and yeah. first thing that popped up was the Magic Startup uh, Weekend. Um, joined it, didn't expect to get anything out of it. Um, but... Um, surprisingly we came up tops right yeah. I was like 20 yeah I was like 20 at the time or 19 I was really young um, but you know small wins uh, to them yeah. to me at the time was a big win yeah. so then um, win, won the competition um, was offered some funding as well um, didn't take it because we thought we were worth more but honestly we were worth nothing <laughs> at <laughs> in time. hindsight in, yeah, yeah it's worth nothing so you should have taken the money you think or um, if I took the money I think my path would be a lot more different interesting okay would have, interesting. would have dropped out of of, of, college, of uni of university which year was this this was 2015 13 I think Oh, for, the, yeah, for the first startup, sorry. Yeah, the yeah. first one. I think first it was 2013. One. So that's when you first started university. Yeah, my first year coming back. <laughs> you would have dropped out the first year. Exactly. So what happened was that I took a quarter off. Yeah. My, my school's a quarter system. I took a quarter off. I uh, decided to work on this startup and um, realized that I'm lacking a lot of business skills. Mm. So went back to school, changed my major three times, ended up with an international business degree. Um, and after that, I really wanted to stay in the States. Yeah. Um, Why is that? You know, like pop culture, media, right? Yeah. Everything happens in, in, in the US. Yeah. Uh, World War happens in San Francisco with the Golden Gate Bridge breaking, right? In movies, <laughs> in Hollywood. Yeah. Zombie apocalypses. Everything is in the States. Um, I think media is f- facing towards that side as well. So that's where the startup, um, Silicon Valley, right? The yeah. startup center of the world um, at that time it was. So I moved up from San Diego to San Francisco. Okay. Um, I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to be able to, uh, to do that. Um, and yeah, I just dabbled into it, um, understanding how things work. Mm. Um, things were more bleak than I thought it was. As interesting, in, I, I thought uh, it was like in the movies, right? Yeah. Uh, that that show, what's that? Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you thought it was like fun and yeah, and dorky, this kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I saw the other side of it too, right? Yeah. Uh, huge homelessness community in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and the other side of things, and I realized that I think Malaysia. Um, has a more flat society, flatter, I feel. Interesting, um, okay. At least in my point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm still in my rose glasses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then um, started the a company over there, uh, moved up to SF, um, and my goal was just to stay in, in the States. Yeah. yeah. Was, was that a young man's blind ambition of the world? Because I, I kind of want to hear about because you've worked three years now, four years now in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
uh, do you still have hold that kind of viewpoint still that a lot of things still happen in the U.S. or how do you feel now? How I feel now is that I think everyone has their own goals and ambitions and their purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so deep, but um, I found technically my purpose, um, which is the family business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as a kid, five, four, five years old, I was interning. Yeah. At the company, um, putting on stamps for letters. Um, being paid with McDonald's because yeah. I, I was a fat kid back then, <laughs> um, and they've always been like paving the way for me to to take over the family business, mm-hmm. right? And uh, but when I was in university, you know, pop culture media tell, told me that starting a startup is cooler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think my purpose now is to really carry on this yeah. family legacy, um, which I'm very blessed and fortunate because not many people my age is in this industry. Yeah. So uh, in industry being um, fire safety, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's okay. Usually, actually, it's fair. Young people. How many people do you know in fire safety that are in their twenties? I don't know probably, anybody. Probably zero, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'm the only one, yeah. right? Um, there are other competitors in Malaysia, but they're all in Older the thirties, yeah. um, and they usually have like a few few different shareholders, like different family shareholders. Yeah. So it's not sole, um, not one sole family. Yeah. Right. Correct. Um, yeah. So I wanted to hear about then. Um, the San Diego, San Francisco versus the KL experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, you were younger back then. Yeah. Dif- different mindsets and this kind of stuff, but um, what was the vibe like versus then? And then how do you compare and contrast that to what you've been experiencing in Kuala Lumpur, KL, for mm-hmm. the past few years then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was shying myself away from the term family business for a long time, mm. right? Because I had that 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 connotation of family business people being um, entitled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're born with a golden spoon, a silver spoon, right? Silver spoon. Um, and they don't work hard, right? Well, just some of them are golden. Things. Some of them are golden. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe mine was silver. <laughs> yeah. um, but that was my perception yeah. of family businesses. I was trying to shy away from that. I was more into the startup where people, from zero to 100, right? Yeah. Right, from poor, from racks to riches. Yeah. Um, opposed from being like 50 to 100. Um, mm. Yeah. So, in the States, I don't see much of the family business culture, especially in Silicon Valley. Probably because the US is much bigger and reaching mm. that, yeah. those circles is probably a few steps higher. You could live your yeah. whole life being middle class and not even interacting with that probably, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Whereas like, if you are somewhat middle class in Malaysia, you're probably more or less going to have some circles with the top percentage, right? Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you didn't really see that. Yeah, I didn't really see that. Um, so didn't understand how to navigate my way around it in Malaysia mm. and I was shying away from it right I was yeah. trying to understand more of the startup side than the family business side yeah. um, and uh, I guess now I'm like fully in into the family the whole family business um, hemisphere and culture yeah. yeah yeah. and then so being in the US then what did you take from there and what is that like so I mean what's the experience like across these two things yeah I think like five, six years ago, um, it was very different, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe let's talk about how the culture, right? Yeah, correct. Um, five, six years ago, you wouldn't find kombuchas in Malaysia. Yeah. Now there's like, well, <laughs> maybe hundreds of kombucha companies. Yeah. Um, fly cycles, spin, spinning classes, yoga classes, all yeah. these were not here like five, six years ago. Yeah. They were for like the very small niche majority. Mm-hmm. It is still now quite niche, I feel. Um, but I guess I'm in it now and I see that I can find my bubble of 
a, a version of San Francisco, a version of San Diego in Malaysia. Mm. I can get I can get craft beers yeah. now, opposed to like five years ago. No way you can get craft beers. Yeah. Um, in terms of the business hemisphere, mm. I was not too in it when I was in SF because I was like basically alone, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was not in a company. Uh, yeah. I was interning, um, but I guess that's a very different experience still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about your actual startup that you spent more time on that you worked from end of university into your one year about in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, it's called Loomlens or how do you Loomlens. pronounce it? Loomlens. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's correct. So what influenced you to start Loomlens? Yeah. So this was, I think, four years ago. Four years ago, um, if you look at the back of your phone, um, all phones only had one camera. Yeah. Yep. Back then. Back then. <laughs> uh, now you see like three, four, five cameras yeah, on some. Um, and I, I think there's a quote, right? The best camera is the camera that you have mm-hmm. right, with you. Um, doesn't matter if you don't have it. Uh, if you don't have your DSLR, you can't capture the moment, right? So yeah. most people use their phones. Um, so yeah, at that point, um, the bigger manufacturers of phones have not dabbled into two, two lenses, three lenses. Yeah. So the whole idea was basically opening up a whole world of possibilities with wide-angle lenses, mm-hmm. zoom lenses. Yeah. Um, so that was the trend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in hindsight, I saw the trend of using f- of expanding the phone Correct. camera possibilities, but not executed the right way, right? People don't want to carry lenses um, in the phones since mm. manufacturers can have it in the phone itself. Is is that? I mean, but there's still a market for it, right? There's probably a certain percentage of people who need extensions or prefer extensions. Maybe they're very mobile, uh, mm-hmm. but like, are is the phone technology today up to the point where? it's completely obsolete where you don't need to do that now? It's almost completely obsolete. Okay. Um, like the biggest competitor back then um, called Moment, Moment Lenses, right? Yeah. Um, they were pretty big at that time. Yeah. Um, very high quality, 100 US dollars for one lens. Yeah. Um, but they have pivoted. They've yeah. gone into more of a media company, mm. right? Creating content, teaching people yeah. how to, um, their site is like selling, they're more selling like iPhone accessories. Yeah. Um, the stands and, and the tripods and stuff, mm. which is still... That's yeah. huge now, right? Yeah. With live streaming, TikTok. Correct. Yeah. Huge. Um, but for lenses, not so anymore because yeah. most phones have very good wide angle lenses. Mm-hmm. Previously, it was the main camera that's really good. Yeah. The wide angle sucked. Yeah. Uh, the zoom is, was even worse, right? Yeah. But the, the iPhone 13, right? So Amazing. if you think about if you think about the market size and the actual product, it was probably correct. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, when the big guys just yeah. have it on so, your product. So what's the, the, the main takeaway and the learnings then from, from this? Uh, if, if you were to think about this and if you could do it again, what would be the right approach? I think for me, I should have gone with what I was good at. Okay. Right? I was trying really hard to do something that I was not good at. Like, like a hardware company? Hardware company, <laughs> which yeah. Is, which is hard. It is very hard, yeah. yeah. So I traveled to Shenzhen yeah. um, by myself alone. I can't speak Chinese, by the way. <laughs> That's, that's such a great idea. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I was there for two weeks. Yeah. Um, holding on to Google Translate. I had conversations fully on Google Translate, yeah. right? Just laughing. I'm not sure if it was the translation that went wrong, but yeah. it, was, it was still quite a fun time. Yeah. Um, going to like the, the, the rural areas of China, understanding um, how on Alibaba, a lot of them are still middlemen. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll bring you to the, to the actual manufacturers. Yeah, right? correct. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, but had a great time. That's pretty entrepreneurial, it. though, right? To to actually do that, you don't speak the language, and I, I, possibly you were young, or maybe it was a different time, but 
I would argue that if you went to the big manufacturers, they probably could speak English. They have someone in the company who could do it. Mm -hmm. right? So yeah. it's possible you were just talking to the middleman who probably didn't speak English. And the middleman had people who spoke English. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah, but barely, right? Barely. But then okay. I was dealing with the small, the, the manufacturer themselves. Yeah. 100% um, Chinese with a dialect too, mm -hmm. right? So I wouldn't have known what they were talking about. What's your main takeaway then from doing this attempt of a startup? And I yeah. guess, did you get traction? Were you selling anything? No, it was a Kickstarter project. But okay. then um, before that happened, I came back to Malaysia and found a different goal. Um, but what my main takeaway is, is that I should have done what I was good at, right? Yeah, so correct. to show off um, what the lenses were, I was, make, I was creating videos. And the videos were really good though. I, I, they still yeah. exist on the on the web today. It's still. And from what I've seen is like uh, really high quality, like it looks like a real film camera. Yep. Um, but what, if I, what I'm understanding, what you're telling me is that regular phones these days could also do the same thing. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And my main takeaway is really, uh, I should have just gone into media making. Yeah. Right? Like what you're doing now, right? Podcasting. Yeah. I was, to show off the lenses, I was actually doing interviews as well. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Video interviews of um, people who I looked up to, like yeah. Red Hongyi um, and co-founder of 88 Rising. Yeah. Um, those people I really look up to. Uh, Gary. Um, what was his name again? <laughs> There's two. The pastor, right? Yes, the pastor. Yes. You talked. Yeah, I think it was Gary. Uh, Gary Ma or something. Uh, right? Jason Ma. Jason Ma. Jason Ma. Yeah, Jason yeah, Ma. Yeah. You actually talked to Jason. Yeah, I talked to Jason. Yeah. This was before he blew up. Like right now, he's like a huge deal right now. Is so. he really? Oh, I, 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 at least from what I understood from listening to yeah. his podcasts, uh, it uh, makes it seem that way. But he's also probably very good at marketing. He is. Um, yeah. He's very philosophical. Um, yeah. I think one thing he mentioned was that if if Jesus was were alive today, yeah, he would be in Hollywood. He would be in me media. <laughs> probably sounds about right. Uh, it's yeah. also a way for him to probably justify the way he's uh, living and doing his his, his version of preaching and God, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, that's a really good lesson. Before we get to the main topic, which is the first main topic, which is content creation and media, yeah. uh, I, I want you to explain to a, an older guy, and for most of my friends who are in my generation, yeah. are not on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Can you give me a TikTok tutorial and how do we win on TikTok and how do we use it? Because <laughs> you've, you've been posting viral videos. Yeah, and you, you sort, mean, of, yeah. sort of, right? It's not going to be like, what? it's not in the millions, but it's definitely in the what, tens, They're reaching tens. the millions, yeah. Yeah, you're reaching millions? Yeah, we're reaching the there millions. There you go. Soon. So there is viral, right? Yeah. So uh, explain to me as an older generation, and like, you know, these days you have to go where the audience is. Yep. You know, you have to understand the younger behaviors and what kind of content they're into. Mm -hmm. right? So it's, you know, as a content creator myself, I yep. can't ignore it forever. Yep. I, right now, I don't really do active marketing. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could help explain to the someone like me or my profile what is tiktok give me a tutorial how to use it how did you get to viral videos so i didn't want to go on tiktok as well mm. um, but my digital marketer was like sending me tiktok videos at night yeah. it's like brian you should get on tiktok brian yeah. should get on tiktok um he works for a much bigger company in malaysia yeah. um, but he's freelancing for me mm -hmm. so i trust his gut but yeah. the turning point was that when my dad started using TikTok. Your, your dad used TikTok before you. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so my dad has been sending me TikTok videos. Amazing. Yeah. But his TikTok profile is very different, right? You, you, of course. You, you think like young girls dancing. That's TikTok. I don't think right? of that by your father at all. <laughs> <laughs> but his TikTok is all about hacks, right? Uh, carpentry hacks. True, true, true uh, dad. Right. Uh, yeah. Golf. So yeah. he, he'll send me like TikTok videos of how to hit the, the, the your best swing yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's when I realized, right? Um, and I also have a friend in TikTok who's um, in the hundreds of thousand followers. 
um, where she told me like the inside right of TikTok, they are looking to transform into education. Yeah. Right. They are getting companies, influencers to get on their TikTok education part yeah. where you, you share hacks and stuff. So then I looked back at um, what my my company's um, vision is, right? Which uh, is fire, firefighter Industries. Yes, yeah. Firefighter Industry, which is to fireproof Malaysia, right? Um, and it comes with a lot of education. Yeah. And most people are on TikTok now, right? So we need to understand where people live and people live on TikTok. Yes. So we, we went on TikTok, right? Understanding <laughs> your potential customers. Exactly. Yeah, yes. So. yes. Okay, so then you went on TikTok then. How do, how do we be successful on TikTok then? This came from, again, doing things that I'm good at and identifying things that people are good at. So you learned your lesson. I learned my lesson. From the first startup. Yes. Yeah. So what actually happened is that I was posting for a customer experience job um, mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yeah. So this girl um, messaged me, um, whom I met on Clubhouse. <laughs> I remember when you were doing, club- you were hitting Clubhouse really hard, man. Yes. I was doing Clubhouse really hard because I think I like talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I enjoy um, talking to people and, and knowing more about people. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the main thing. Um, so I found her on Clubhouse and she was asking um, for the position of customer experience. Um, but when I was interviewing her, I realized that um, I realized that she's good at something. She's on TikTok. Yeah. Um, I was not hiring a TikToker at that point in my life. Mm. In point in time, which is like a month ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's good at it. Yeah. And I mean, all the signs were telling me, right, be on TikTok, be on TikTok. So yeah. I, I hired her as a TikToker. There you go. Full-time TikToker. Yeah. And she's good at it, right? Mm-hmm. So I just throw her, okay, this is what we need to do. Go figure it out. And, um, okay, but, but like, that is happenstance. That is not easy. So I, I've been also wanting to uh, probably hire more people to help out. Because, yep. you know, to get more leverage, it's like doing solo podcasting. It's yep. massively time-consuming. Yes. A large part of it's are very monotonous. Mm-hmm. So like the amount of grit you need is very high unless you naturally love that kind of work. Yep. Um, so, but it's very, to me in my experience so far, it's quite rare to find someone that you could just say, here's a completely uncertain thing. Well, mm-hmm. to be fair, she already had experience in it, mm-hmm. but you know, to throw something and say, just go do it. And it actually works out. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's quite lucky, right? Yeah. I luck. Yeah. That's one thing we, we will talk about. Okay. But, um, as I mentioned, um, identifying people, identifying things that people are good at. Yeah. So I identified that she's good at creating content. Mm-hmm. Um, after the f- during the first interview, I told her, I think you have an eye for content. Yeah. Second interview with her, she was like, Brian, you're right. I think I'm actually good at content. So she didn't know it. She didn't, she didn't oh, realize it. Okay. She was doing TikTok for fun, right? Mm. On a free time. Um, she was an air stewardess previously. Okay. And she was just, um, she, she, she grounded herself yeah. um, after getting married. Um, and basically... Um, she was doing other things as well. So pretty yeah. entrepreneurial in, yeah. in a way. And I realized she's good at TikTok. So why not? I just create this job profile for her. Yeah. Full-time TikToker. Yeah. So I gave her a job that she likes doing yeah. <laughs> and she's good at. Yeah. And it's, it's really helping us out with our vision, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you didn't have this job in mind and how do you go about making sure you can measure the value that's tangible yeah, I mean, because you can get the views. Get, I mean, it's. Uh, I guess from a reach perspective, million hits is good. 
Yep. Some percentage will probably be an overlap. Yes. Very small percentage, but like that's a big number probably. Yep. Especially in terms of the type of sales that you're looking for. Yep. Um, depending if it's B to C, B to B, et cetera, et cetera. But so, I mean, I, I think it's useful. So how, how do you think about valuing her job and making sure it's a good job? I think for content creation, for like creative people, they're not the kind that will look at sales. Yeah, correct. Like money, right? Yeah. Um, maybe they do, but that should not be the KPI. That should not be their focus. Yeah. Their focus is creating good content. Okay. And it's the job of the managers like me to how to make use of that. Yeah. Right, so I gave her a KPI of hitting 1,000 followers within a month. Okay, so it's something small to start. Something and small to start, yes. How is followers not a vanity metric? How is that a tangible metric? Yeah, so uh, dialed back, actually we hit 1,000 followers like a few days ago. Nice, um, congrats. Um, like three weeks be- behind, be- be- three weeks ahead of schedule. <laughs> okay. Um, vanity metric, yeah. Um, it definitely is, right? It definitely is. Yeah. Uh, likes doesn't doesn't convert uh, but what we, re- we realize is that no one else is doing fire safety content on okay. TikTok yeah that's, that's true yeah so it's very surprising to see inquiries on the product like how much is the product mm. on a TikTok video yeah which is very valuable in terms of how you think about your customers and your product yes because right? that helps you orient strategy probably helps you orienting maybe a category you're completely missing yes. because of the, the inbound from this right? correct yeah, yeah. and what um, our goal is is to be the educators of fire safety. Mm-hmm. So I guess when you become an educator, um, people see your brand, your company a bit differently, right? You're now True. teaching. Uh, influence essentially, right? Influence, right? Yeah. You're not just selling, you are teaching people, right? Yeah. So we are looking to not just talk about fire safety, but safety in general. Yeah. And the build trust too. And build, Yes, build trust. Yeah. And we just need to be everywhere, right? Omni-channel yeah. marketing. You just yeah. need to be everywhere. So this is the perfect segue into the actual content creation media part, right? Yeah. Uh, before we... Know, continue down this path. Let's talk about your past experiences in media and content creation when you were in San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Um, why Why are you credible in, uh, you know, you say you're good at this. Yep. So why don't you tell people about the background of what yep. you did in San Francisco uh, besides finding a job, but you went pretty deep in it, I think, right? Yep. 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 So content creation has always been my thing. Um, I was doing my internship um, in in a bank in Malaysia during my, my first break. Um, and I was doing videos like on YouTube. At that time, YouTube was still like, you can still post like two minute videos on YouTube. Yeah, it's quite, not as big as the ecosystem is today probably. It, it was yeah. big, but it was like, this is what, uh, post Vine. Post Vine. And the people were shifting over. Yeah. And then it's like the, the rise of like the largest guys we're seeing today, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I made some YouTube videos. I think my total view count on YouTube is like 600,000 now. Okay. Yeah. Which is quite good, right? It's for... Doing it part time. Yeah, for do for doing like, yeah. t- I think I have only like ten videos yeah. or like fifteen videos, all two minutes long, um, and sort of gain traction right yeah. in that way. But it was always just for fun. Never mm-hmm. took it seriously. Um, and in my first year, I actually won a uh, video competition of which the GoPro CEO gave me a GoPro. Yeah. Um, and then in my, I'm trying to think what other things I did. The first thing I did when I moved up to SF was join a video competition as well. Nice. Competitions are a good theme in your life. Yeah, and yeah. I also got second place from... It's an AT&T competition. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got some money out of it. Um, and then that year itself, um, there was a competition ran by the University of California. Not yeah. just San Diego, but University of California. So there are 10 schools under UC. Yeah. Um, f- they had a competition for the alumni, yeah. a startup competition as well. Um, they only chose three people. Mm. I was one of them. And 
the mentors were the one picking yeah. um, the winners. And my mentor told me, uh, we only picked your video because your video was good. Mm. Not much of the idea, but more of the video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so looking back, everything is back to content. Yeah, if you, if you really want to do a thread here, right? Yeah. Even like from your startups. Yeah. Because you were very young and inexperienced without the business acumen, yep. but you were able to sell it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a start of being able to tell a story, a narrative, build good content around it. Yep. And then, you know, from the first startup to the second startup to actually winning video experiences, it just seems like your, your superpower is in media and content creation. That's right? correct. Yeah, that's what yeah. I realized. Yeah. And then I think in hindsight 2020 is like if you had just focused that 100% much earlier, mm-hmm. you, it could have, you probably would be a superstar on YouTube by now, right? Maybe, maybe possibly, maybe, yeah. Maybe, but yeah. it's a hard sell to my parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a different story. Right? Yeah, that's a different story. So, so what was your most notable hit or hits on YouTube? Um, it was a video called Malaysian Accents. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think that one video is, is like 300 plus thousand. So um, for example, if we just type in Malaysian Accents, it should probably be top I'll, ranked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of that video too, I was featured on Says as well. Which is a local... Which I, so Says was started by some local heroes of Malaysia in the startup yes. communities, right? Yeah. And uh, some of our mutual friends worked there. Yeah. Uh, Isaac was one of our uh, UA episodes as well. Uh, I think Kylie 500 Stars was involved, right? Yeah. So uh, it all comes back to the same communities, I guess. Exactly, yeah. 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 Okay, so you, you were featured on Says and what else? Um, I was doing part-time, right? I yeah. was studying. Um, I was still very shy making yeah. videos at that time. I would make sure I was making videos yeah. in my, my, my dorm. I was I would make sure that no one was home <laughs> when I recorded. Um, Which is probably very different from today. Like people will yeah completely open up their lives and exactly. video everything, right? So exactly, it's so different. Very now. different. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm still very shy, like doing making video. Yeah, um, really. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see. It. I don't. I don't buy it. it. It takes a lot for me to to shoot videos. <laughs> I, well, at this point, how many videos are you shooting regularly now? Um, I don't do the videos anymore. <laughs> okay, you don't do them. Are you in them or? Once in a while, I'm in them. Okay, uh, so that's why it's shy. It's probably because, honestly, if you just keep doing it, I think you overcome it pretty fast. It's just a matter of exposure and time and experience. Possibly, yeah. Right? yeah. But I think video takes up a lot of time. It does, yeah. Yeah, it takes up a lot of time editing and uh, ideation. But I'm more on the ideation and management side now. Even for TikTok, um, I'm only in one video. Yeah. Um, the others are all my full-time TikToker. I should be um, talking to you to figure out how to build out my media team then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you can talk after this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at that point, you know, with that many hits and views, is there monetization involved or how does that work? Um, YouTube was paying me, right? Okay. Not much, but... It's, you're getting some money. Yeah, some yeah. money. Um, but for me, media is never about the money, right? Of it's, course. It's, it's really about, uh, I just like doing it. Well, you know, if you think about Ikigai, like the four, is it four concentric circles? Well, it's three, three concentric circles, right? Mm-hmm. I think you have two of them. You're good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you love it. Actually, you have all three of them and you could make money from it possibly, right? Possibly, yeah. And you I, have made some money from it, so. Technically, I made money from it in the family business I'm in now. Yes, exactly. So you're applying your superpower in the context of your everyday work now. Yes. And it is actually driving value. Yes, surprisingly. Um, why were these videos that make you money on YouTube, why were they hits? Relatability. Okay. It was very relatable. Um, I was just talking about being Malaysian, right? Yeah, so probably a lot of views are probably coming from the Asia region, Malaysia region. Yes. Yeah. Like almost 100%, uh-huh. 90% right, from yeah. Malaysia. Yeah. Um, and that's one, one of my other loves, right? Mm-hmm. I, I started the Malaysian um, Association in my school. Yeah. Um, and I've always been a proponent of Malaysia. So again, <laughs> media Malaysia. So that's why I'm back here. <laughs> yeah. 
which which one was your favorite uh, video and why? I think um, it's one that I did not post on YouTube. Okay. It's one I posted on Facebook. Mm. And it was about why the movie Crazy Rich Asians is so important for Malaysia. Mm. Um, it sort of went viral on Facebook. Okay. But it went more viral within the auntie and uncle community on WhatsApp. Uh, the WhatsApp media. The WhatsApp. Yeah. If, you know, you always get those forwards of all the crazy gossip news happening. Right? Yes. So, yeah. so <laughs> I, I knew it was a hit when yeah. my friend told me, it's like, dude, my mom just shared your video in my family chat. <laughs> and there were a few people who told me that it, it went into the family chats, yeah. right? So that's when I knew, okay, went sort of viral yeah. <laughs> on WhatsApp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, why was that your favorite? Um, it was a very simple video. Yeah. Um, so I shot it within an hour. No. I edited it in a moving van in Thailand. Nice. And I published it using some hotspot <laughs> connected to my phone, right? When yeah. I was in a moving van in Thailand. That's the power of technology days, especially in media. Exactly. Right? Like we're getting even more direct and more mobile to create stuff. And it's creating a whole different landscape for media. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you did interviews. Right, two-minute interviews about about that. Yeah. So tell me about your method and how do you figure out guest and host chemistry? I maybe did seven to ten interviews. Um, obviously not as extensive as you. Yeah. Um, but I think the key thing I had was I was genuinely interested with what they do. Mm. Um, and I, I guess that's where the, the the questions keep coming, right? Yeah. I'm actually very interested. Like, why why are you doing art? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, why why this media company? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was genuinely interested, and I think once you're very true in something, people see it. Yeah. And um, I guess that the chemistry just yeah. So you you hit upon two important parts, right? When you're creating the content, relatability. Yes. Very important. So you're thinking about creating the content. Like a lot of work goes into it, probably, right? So that would be the next question. But you know, you have to really think about who's it relating to, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you, you have to be genuinely interested with the person sitting across from you and hopefully they're also interested in you. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, yeah. it could be one, it can be one way, it still can be good, mm-hmm. but it's also much better when it's like a dialogue. Yeah, right? it's a two-way thing, yeah. Yeah. So, so what was the process of going to creating that? How much work was there beforehand? How much was work during and then about the post-production? Just for two minutes. How, how, what did that look like? Mine was more on the post. Okay. So I was making bite-sized content. So this was when uh, Nas Daily was really big. Explain to the global audience, Nas Daily. Nas, oh, it's a hard sell now. Uh, he <laughs> used to make one-minute videos, yeah. um, basically traveling the world on interesting people yeah. or interesting cities. Um, I was trying to do that format too, right? So mm. two-minute videos. Um, so there was a lot of post-processing because I was just cutting up snippets, yeah. um, very sh- interesting, hard-hitting snippets mm-hmm. um, into the video. So it means you had to think really hard about what was good and why. Yes. So I was crafting the story after rather than before. Okay. So you. So what was the process of going before then and during? Um, before, honestly, I didn't do much <laughs> okay. research. So it's just really <laughs> pure, genuine, genuine chemistry that has to drive it, right? Yeah. W- were there any bad interviews because of this? Um, not really, actually. I mean, there was one bad one because I was... Still hungover. <laughs> okay, different <laughs> reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. but uh, everything else was, was pretty chill. Usually, it's a, uh, I go to the homes okay. uh, and, and 
just genuinely just trying to understand them, right? Okay, so then you, yeah. So then it's just kind of like a free-for-all process. I, I've tried to do some interviews with that and it's really either hit or miss. Yeah, that's true. Right, so like it's like uh, the person gets you, uh, it's just an ongoing conversation, but sometimes it could be like very one way and then you have to work extra hard. And if without the prep or structure, mm-hmm. those usually end up tanking pretty bad actually, so. Tanking pretty bad and also editing it. After, yeah, then editing, yeah, then trying to figure out what's the good bits, right, so. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like a very kind of loose process, but then you did the heavy lifting at the end because probably out of how long was the recordings or interviews? 15 minutes. 15, 20 minutes, then yeah. you try to get squeeze one or two minutes out of that. Yep, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. And then did you think about marketing? Did you do that at all or didn't matter? It's just the content itself. The interviews was meant to be the marketing for my lenses. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you're trying to tie the... Yeah, okay, so you're going in circles a bit, right? Yes, yeah, okay. yes, yes. But I enjoyed making the content more than I was developing the product. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of my first business when I was um, raising money in trading and investing. Yeah. I enjoyed building the business part probably more than the trading. I wasn't like a terrible trader. I was probably better at the understanding markets, analyzing, but I realized I enjoyed building more. But that, that you only realize later on, right? When you keep doing it and understand yourself better. And you, you have to look back, right? Hindsight. Correct, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't realize it <laughs> that day itself. So it seems like uh, maybe you could add on to what we talked about. You talked about relatability and authenticity. Yep chemistry right mm-hmm. what other fundamentals go into a good piece of content so i guess relatability um also ties back into um pop culture yeah right pop culture you have to understand what's happening in the world okay um, oh so so i have to get on tiktok for sure then <laughs> exactly right so like for my tiktoker um, i'm getting her to use hootsuite to do social okay. listening right yeah. to understand what people are talking about so we need to talk about the hot stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and related to your industry of fire safety, which is quite unique. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But our first viral video was more on uh, Malaysians in general. Okay. Yeah. But our second one is fire safety and things that people do. So that's interesting. So you're mixing up the content pillars, right? So if you think about content strategy and how about how would you add value to your business by from a marketing standpoint, which is getting more customers and sales eventually. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you are hitting multiple pillars that are not necessarily purely all fire safety. You're trying to be also more trendy. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So how many pillars are we talking that you kind of hit across for these types of videos and channels? Um, on TikTok or in general? You tell me. You're, I don't know your general marketing. We'll get into that more, but yeah. Yeah. So I tend to talk a lot about reliability in terms of being Malaysian. Okay. Because uh, that's our target market, for yeah. at least for our business. It's, it's our target market. And we are, I mean, based in Malaysia for the past 47 years. Um, so we need to talk about that, right? Yeah. And um, very niche. I mean, 31 million people now? 32 million people? Yeah, over 30. <laughs> yeah, over yeah. 30. Approaching right? mid-30s to 40 soon. Yeah. 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 So the thing about fire safety is that nobody cares. In your everyday life. In until, your everyday until, life. until it happens. Until it happens. Yeah. It's like, so, almost like insurance. Exactly, exactly insurance, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's something that nobody cares until it happens. Yeah. So that's why we're trying to expand out of Fire Safety 2 to be more relatable. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to talk about safety in general. Mm-hmm. Um, this is soon, not yet. Okay, um, so you, the way you think about the content pillar, one of them is broadly is general safety. Yes, because it's, then we, we expand the horizon of being more relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what, what do you do if you get cut with a... Uh, uh, what's it called a rusted piece of metal right yeah what do you do right mm-hmm. um, so we're going to talk about that okay what do you do if you break your hand we're going to talk about that mm. nobody nobody talks about this kind of things yeah and then and along one of these is like as you build your broader base um, 
you then talk you add in fire safety as well yes we'll we'll talk about like you know relatable things like the fire alarm if a fire alarm uh, rings right now in malaysia yeah you just disregard it you think it's a, a false alarm right yeah you know like ha- half the time in my apartment building even though they give warnings sometimes you're not sure yeah but but part of me is like i i Half the time I'll ignore it. Half the time I am worried. Yeah. So it's you're not sure. Like, like you don't want to be that person stuck in the fire and die there because you didn't listen to the alarm, right? Exactly. So what what should you do when yeah. a fire alarm happens? So yeah. we really talk about that. Okay. So you try to wear the you know raise the awareness and then actually in, back to relatability again and influence the right behavior. Yes. Which then ties back to your business branding, trust, etc. Correct. Yeah. And this is a very top-down strategic approach. Why this way and not why bottom-up? Why, why not just focus on the high-quality uh, content that's targeted that gives you the actual conversion faster? Why, why this approach? We have high-quality content. Uh, that's more, more for advertisements, for ads. So for, this is direct advertising then? Yep. yep, okay. yep yeah, for okay, so Honestly, so you're trying to run two strategies, I guess, at the same time. Mm-hmm. How do you have budget to do this and... Is, are you not stretching yourself too thin? Is this the correct way forward? Yeah. Um, so we do everything, everything by ourselves. We are mm-hmm. considered a small, medium enterprise. So we have the media equipment ourselves, right? Cameras yeah. is all on us. Um, yeah. we, I hire people who can handle a camera, can edit. Yeah. So it's all in-house. So mm-hmm. the budget to us is not that high. Yeah. Um, the only budget we spend on is Facebook ads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on the content creation is uh, we just hire the right people. Yeah, yeah, and really have the the the, the equipment. Since since we're talking about this topic already, let let's let's take a few steps back and you know talk about the transitioning to the family business. Yeah, I think uh, the Top Out podcast you did a podcast already that covers the family aspects really well already. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. think we need to really talk about that. But um, for people to know, give a quick brief of what Firefighter Industries is. Yeah, so Firefighter Industry um, is basically the oldest fire safety company in Malaysia. At 47 years old this year, um, started by my dad. Yep. Right, he was 22. Uh, his one and only company. So um, when you were uh, making videos in San Francisco, he was building <laughs> a, a basically a monopoly in Malaysia and being very successful a business person at 22. <laughs> no, th- thanks for. Uh, but to be fair, in way. hindsight, he probably would have not seen it that way either. I bet you he didn't know what it would turn into. No, he, my dad is... Or he had the vision. Don't tell me he had the vision. He's like... He doesn't have a vision. Yeah. He just works hard. He just works. Okay, <laughs> so he just picked the niche and he just grinded and it just turned out to be very good. Because that was the only thing he knew. Yeah. His dad was sort of in a fire safety company too. Yeah. And one day his friend told him, he's like, hey, you realize that all buildings need fire extinguishers, right? Yeah. So he's like, oh, okay, there's a need. Okay, I'm going to just do it. Things were much simpler back then. Exactly. And no, yeah. the way industries were built were very different back then, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, it's the oldest fire safety company in Malaysia, which is mm-hmm. quite nice. Tell us about the profile of the OG entrepreneurs, your father and your mother. Mm-hmm. Tell us about their background, their profiles. How were they able to essentially build, is it fair to say monopoly or is it oligopoly? Is there something comparable size fire safety companies or are you just far bigger than your competitors? There are a lot of other competitors, um, but we are the only one that's focusing a lot on branding and marketing. And we are one of the only ones that are focused on uh, direct-to-consumer. How about in terms of scale? Are you guys the biggest by far or about the same sizes? We are not the biggest, but we are the biggest in terms of B2C. Okay, so in ter- so it's essentially an oligopoly, which is there's only a few players probably then yep, in the space. Great. Yes. Right? Yeah. So tell us about your parents, your father, your mother as entrepreneurs. How were they able to establish this nice niche, mm-hmm. this pro- you know, very profitable niche with a few other guys only in this country? 
I think back then, like you mentioned, um, business was so much simpler, right? Entrepreneurship yeah. was so much simpler. There's a need, you go ahead, you make money, you start a business. Yeah. Um, same thing with my dad. Um, yeah. He's like a cockroach, right? <laughs> as much as you want to kill him, he just doesn't die. In a good way. In a good way. Yes, yeah. in a good way. Um, and that's him, right? Yeah. He's just very hardworking. N- never say die, right? I think mm. that's a Chinese yeah. proverb. Never say die. Correct. Um, and my mom came in when I was born to the company. Mm-hmm. So he sh- my mom joined in um, 27 years ago. Um, with experience from corporate, from uh, Sam Darby. So she was in Sam Darby doing what, real uh, estate. What is Sam Darby for people? Yeah. Uh, oh, they've, they've grown, right? To, the to everything, right? The conglomerate. Yeah. But she was in the real estate side of things. Okay. Uh, Sam Darby owns like car comp- dealerships. They own um, plantations. Plantations. Commodities. Ag- every, everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So she was more on the real estate side. Mm-hmm. Um, in, the, in the other company, actually, because Sam UEP. Mm-hmm. So Sam Darby actually bought Sam UEP. Mm-hmm. And Sam UEP is was their real estate arm, mm-hmm. right? And Sam UEP is actually a British company. Mm. No, sorry, it was British. It was Hong Kong company. Hong Kong company. Okay. Hong Kong company. Yeah, uh, like a few Hong Kongers came over here mm-hmm. to start a real estate company. Um, so yeah, she brought in some knowledge in terms of corporate, right? So mm-hmm. my dad basically started a startup. <laughs> yeah. Right. Very messy. Yeah. Um, everything is just done on the fly. Yeah. Um, no processes, mm-hmm. and I think my mom came in also set up because mm. she understood corporate yeah well, I, I heard a very interesting podcast today with Satya Nadella the CEO mm-hmm. of Microsoft and his, his point was that him taking over as CEO like he never imagined it when he was like he wasn't really up for the job either and yeah, he, he knew he would never be the you know Paul Allen or Bill mm-hmm. Gates as a founder yeah and then even like Steve Ballmer was technically very early too so mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. building it up he's a credibility of building up with Bill in the early days yep uh, and the way you could think about it is that uh, what what uh, the, this podcast is from Master Scale, Reed Hoffman. The, mm-hmm. way, the way Reed Hoffman framed it was yep. uh, he was a refounder. Yes. Right. So you know someone starts it, yep. but then when someone comes in to you know to take it to that next level or mm-hmm. to you know think about how they could add longevity, right? Well, your mom twenty seven years ago, mm-hmm. it's still here today and has, it still has its motor, right? Mm-hmm. So she basically acted as a, a founder in a different kind of way, yes. a refounder, you know, yep. making the processes, making it sustainable for to create the long term value, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. So if you to to give a profile to my parents, uh, my dad, without him knowing, again, um, he's actually a marketer, very good marketer, mm. right? He's that kind of Chinaman style marketing. Um, he likes. What is, can you explain that? What is that? <laughs> he likes things big. Okay. Uh, he still does. Yeah. Um, he likes things in your face. And that is why we're the only fire safety company uh, that has a building on the oldest um, highway, highway in, in Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah. Federal highway. Right on the major highway. Yeah. Right on the major highway. He had, a, he had the visions like, I just got to be on that highway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're there, right? And it's a shape of a fire extinguisher. A fire extinguisher. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's wrapped uh, yeah. as a fire extinguisher. So it's basically a huge fire extinguisher, four stories. Um, along a, a highway, right? Yeah, yeah, every day, everyone driving by will know that's the firefighting building. Yep, yep. And, and the name is very straightforward, firefighter. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. So my, like I said, my dad is like a marketer without him knowing, right? Yeah. So what do you name a fire safety company? Firefighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and for, uh, in, uh, you know, fast forward to a few decades later, from an SEO perspective, that's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? um, but we also get a lot of inquiries from other countries ah. asking, yeah. um, how do I become a firefighter? You know, and then if you could own that niche and segment content-wise, you could you could convert your business internationally too. Then that that'll be a tough thing to do because yeah. in Malaysia, um, you you actually cannot name 
companies that this way anymore. You can't uh, name companies firefighters anymore. Once you go to different countries, you probably have a different name as well. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah, difficult, yeah. but we're glad that yeah, you were able to establish early on, yeah. forty-seven years ago, to to get that unique name. Yeah. Okay. So, pretty much, that's a very good explanation of your parents' profile. Mm-hmm. A very good insight. Um, how did your parents view your entrepreneurial experience when you were doing it? <laughs> I mean, they went through it. They were successful, but but they must have. How did they view you trying to do startups? <laughs> I think they were just like, okay, I'm just going to give him some money to figure things out. He'll probably fail, mm. uh, but he's going to learn. <laughs> Which is a pretty good attitude then. At least they were supportive enough to give you some money to try. They were very supportive. Um, yeah. That's one thing I'm really glad. Um, yeah. They almost lost me, right? Yeah. In terms of losing me to another country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because well, you had your um, green card, your actual PR, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never forced me to come back. Mm. Yeah. Um, only reason why I'm back is because of... Uh, Family issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to be closer to your family. You want to make sure they're okay. And Yeah. So yeah. what happened was that if, if, I, if I were to share, um, my dad suffered a stroke about yeah. two years plus ago. Mm. Um, but he's okay right now, right? He's, he, he just uh, lost some sensation in his, on his left side of the body, mm. but walks the same, still plays golf, still jogs every luckily, day. Yeah. Very lucky because my mom basically saved him. Okay, so she saw the signs early. And she saw the signs early, gave him aspirin. aspirin. Oh, she knew. Okay. She really knew. lucky. Yeah, forced him to take aspirin because my dad's a very hard-headed person. <laughs> more, more reason why you could probably do more safety. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah but yeah. we're probably going to make a video on this, right? What yeah. you do when, when you see like droop, drooping lips, yeah. uh, drooping eyes. Correct. Uh, most people don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my mom saved him um, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized that my parents are not getting any younger. Yep. Right. My dad is 70 this year. My mom is 64. Yeah. Um, and there was no clear successor to the company. Yeah. And I just, I mean, they've given me everything I asked for. And this is with two other siblings? With two other siblings, yeah. But they're very different. Um, Which is unique in a family dynamic because in family business that I talk to, usually mm-hmm. it's either sibling rivalry fighting, no cl- like no clarity because they're all vying for it. Yes. Sometimes one will leave because of that and et cetera. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so yours is quite unique in that. Two probably were not interested in it. Yeah, I think if one was interested, I wouldn't have come back. Mm, right. Because, okay. um, I mean, there was a clear successor. Why, why fight? Right? Yeah. And you were actually the youngest, which is even more unique. I'm youngest by 13 years, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and accident baby? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's not an accident. Um, I'm actually a backup. Ah, okay. So yeah. So it's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, so my dad told me, um, <laughs> I think he accidentally told me, <laughs> that um, one of his friends lost his only son to a car crash. Oh wow, that's a quite an insurance plan. Yeah, so you know, like Chinese families love sons, right? Yeah, and like they carry the name um, for it. So yeah. my brother was already born then, so he wanted a backup plan, and I guess I'm still the backup plan today. <laughs> if it, I mean, well, does that mean he was hoping for a son? Uh, I'm I I never gone into that yeah, deep. Okay, because you could have been a girl, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. But okay. So let, let's talk about the next topics of family business. There's only a few topics I probably want to talk about. Yeah. Um, one involves your title, yeah. innovation. Yeah. And I think from an entrepreneurial perspective, from an investor perspective, what can we learn from an SME, right? Mm-hmm. So chief innovation officer, fancy title, it can mean something. Or in many other cases, it could be fluffy and hollow that often that title will die in the red tape of bureaucracy. Yep. How do you ensure that title actually has tangible, substantive, and actual ways to measure that, you know, of real innovation. Right. <laughs> so a funny story. So before this, my <laughs> title was creative director. 
how did that happen? <laughs> so I was basically just doing like digital marketing, marketing in general, mm. right? Um, and I invited a friend over to my office um, to test out a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Right, to use an actual fire extinguisher and put out a real fire. Um, Carl Liu, I'm not sure if you know him. Uh, Service hero. Service hero, yeah. 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 Recently connected with him on LinkedIn, but yeah. Yeah, so he, he said that, dude, your title is stupid. <laughs> Name yourself Chief Innovation Officer. So yeah. since then, I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Firefighter. Okay. So I think back to your question. Um, yes, it, turned, it started off as a fluff. <laughs> okay, so then how did it evolve to... So I think innovation can be seen in many ways, right? There we go. Uh, okay. uh, podcasting is innovation by itself, right? Okay. It's, it's sort of radio, but in a different way. Yeah. Um, so what we're innovating right now is how safety is being consumed, right? Media, right? Mm. Um, and, fire, that, and that follows your superpowers. Exactly, right. Yeah. yeah. Fire safety is something that people don't care about in Malaysia at least, right? Um, it's not a compulsory item in house, homes, houses. Hold on, let's pause for a second. So you're, you keep saying people don't care about that. So for example, are you saying in other countries that are more developed, it's an actual conscious thing that yeah. to, to take it to a certain minimum? Yes. So you're saying that that gap is, does, is, is here in Malaysia and does not exist and you're kind of filling that gap now? Yes. So like yeah. in Korea, the government... Basically, all homes need a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Yeah, in Korea. Um, I think in the States, you need um, smoke alarms, right? Mm, yeah. yeah, smoke detectors. Um, Malaysia, there's no such thing, right? There's, there's oh, interesting. No, okay. There's, you, don't, you don't see a fire extinguisher in this room too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, and people don't know where they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, CIO, Chief Innovation, in that sense right now, but my goal is always to create products that people want to buy. Okay. Right, um, using product design. And that's very soon, right? We've, yeah. we, we're going through um, that development right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how are you defining innovation more specifically? Can you put it in a concise sentence? Man, that's a tough question. A concise sentence of innovation in the space. I guess, yeah. So for you, right? It has to be what is innovation for you mm-hmm. yeah, in your space then. Yeah. How are you defining innovation? And also you could put it in the context of family business too or SME business, right? That's, I think there's a lot of ways. Um, me in itself going into the company um, was a very different way compared to, to, I think, more traditional family businesses. Okay. Can you explain that? So how I came in was that I wanted to build a team All right and I know that if I built a team um, it would take up space and, and you, you might become a call center <laughs> yes and I am still a call center right now according to my my, my parents but obviously not right <laughs> we are bringing in profits um, but to them they, they don't see it still but um, you have to probably explain that also <laughs> yeah but innovation in a sense when I first joined in um, I wanted to develop the space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the space where young people yeah. um, are used to or want to work in. Mm-hmm. So I was given a, I mean, thankfully we have an office space yeah. um, with extra space. So I took up um, 70% of one of the floors and converted it into my version of the future of yeah. workspaces, right? Yeah. Um, which is very googly looking, right? Google. Which if a few people follow the podcast for a long time, they saw some of these bright yellow and red pictures that, I, that I'm in yeah. or with my guest, that's actually your office I was using yeah. back then. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, so you're, thank you for letting me use the space. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. So like a pantry, a nice pantry. Yes. Bean bags, uh, ping pong table, couches, yeah. um, booths, um, 
open ceiling. So you, you, you took a slice of Silicon Valley and brought it home. Technically, yes. Yeah. At a, and at a very low cost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everything was handmade, hand-painted. Yeah. Things were bought from Lazada. Um, so in itself, that was innovation when it first came in. And I, I hired the people I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm still hiring, hiring the people I want to be in the company. Yeah. yeah. Which is very interesting. Now, let's... Because when you first started doing your first two startups, mm-hmm. you said you were pretty young and had no clue about anything. Yeah. How are you sure that these are the right moves and you're not doing the same thing and repeating like you being young and idealistic because mm-hmm. um, you could measure if it's a real cost center or not. Yep. You know, of course the question, you know, the parents want to look at the data to see if there's actual yeah, they return, have returns on the ROI from your, your uh, team. Your, your, you know, because there's a fixed cost and variable cost obviously, yep. right? But yep. then yep. the question is, you know, you could actually figure it out if it's a real cost center or not. That's, that's fine. Yep. But then how do you know that like this is the right moves or are you just being naive about it? Yep. So... I mean, in the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm a, like I mentioned in, in the beginning, right? I'm a creative person. Um, mm. It's hard to give me a, a sale as a target. Sales as target. Okay. It sort of hampers my creativity. Okay. So I was very, again, glad that my parents did not force me to do sales. Yeah. Or bring in money. Yeah. So I was able to be creative. Yeah. And in the beginning, um, likes. We had a lot of likes. All this yeah. vanity yeah. metrics, right? Yeah. Um, but it has been converted, right? Into sales. Because it's very direct. Um, we, How are you measuring it? E-commerce, right? So we, okay, that, that's straightforward. Yeah, very yeah. straightforward. We we handle all of the uh, our Shopify, meaning our own website, uh, Shopee, Lazada. Um, yeah, basically these three. Platforms. Okay, so you have your own portal, which is you run it on Shopify as an SME. Yes. How, how is the Shopify experience? Is it good? So far, it's good. No um, complaints of slow wait time payments. All okay. All okay, uh, but it took a while, right? Yeah, right. So you have to figure it out. Yes, it's yeah. basically building a startup within a bigger company. Yeah. And I had no one to ask for help. Because they don't really have a strong presence in Asia probably for like sales support. I mean, there's a, like probably now there's a better third-party ecosystem than mm-hmm. it was than like when you were starting it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's, while it is a global company, they don't have like a office here and a team here. You could just yeah. like, like, you know, Facebook calls Singapore, someone's going to help you as account manager, et cetera. Right? Exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So you had to build it from scratch and then mm-hmm. essentially you also put it on the other e-commerce platforms. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we got our first break from Lazada. Mm. Um, we, we basically worked with Grab because Grab drivers all yeah. need a fire extinguisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they use Lazada as their um, platform, right? For the drivers to buy these fire extinguishers. Mm-hmm. And we were their partner for fire extinguishers then. So e-commerce yeah. was possible. Yeah. So previously, you wouldn't think of buying a fire extinguisher online because yeah. it's like a dangerous item to most because yeah. right? it's pressurized. Um, but we sold thousands over Lazada mm-hmm. in a very short span of time. Yeah. Um, and that proved a point, right? Yeah. Because the founders are like, no, you can never sell fire safety equipment online. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so if I'm to read in between the lines, right? because the, the initial question is, how would you concisely define innovation? And it's, you coming in with your strengths, which is not really, it's very hard because you're not a very uh, metric kind of driven kind of guy. Not too much, yeah. And the creativity, you know, actually, and that's the whole thing about content. If mm-hmm. it's done in the right way, it, you know, of course, if you have the right uh, framework to, to set up metrics and to measure, you can eventually see that connect eventually somehow, or at least there's a correlation. Yep. But you need to have that kind of space for creativity to make good content, which does lead to actual widening the sales funnel or bringing more users into the sales funnel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is that uh, part of the innovation process was you setting up new channels and then actually proving with the actual sales and data that that does happen. Yep. Uh, so how, how can we put it? Innovation for you was 
probably taking a lot of outside ideas, mixing it with your strength, basically changing the way things are done mm -hmm. to continue growth? Or how, how would you put it? I think... Uh, man, this is a very tough question, right? Yeah. I still believe in content, right? Yeah. And that's what's driving our sales for all of our e-commerce platforms. Yeah. We're just creating much better content yeah. than our competitors. Mm, okay. um, we are shooting better pictures. We're sh better, shooting better videos. We have a much better landing page. Um, yeah. And yeah, of, we, we get people copying our ads all the time. Yeah, that's going to be a problem, right? Yeah. Can they copy it as well? I mean, if you're selling our product, if you, you're reselling, of course, yeah. use our pictures, right? Um, but we don't have any resellers right now. Yeah. Um, at least online. Um, uh, of, of course, you can flag it, right? Like on of Shopee course, Lazada yeah. if they're using our our five signatures but selling someone else's. Yeah. But it's not that big of a problem, um, at least I feel. Yeah. Um, it's still within our goal of five proofing Malaysia. Yeah. People are still getting content. So uh, the, way, the way you could think about it is like also how probably Alibaba thinks about general e-commerce. You do grow the ecosystem. Yeah. If you widen it with more awareness, it, Eventually, it benefits, but you you do have to have strong enough branded moat to yep. to make sure your your stickiness is there for your your business that can grow to within it too. Right? So. Exactly right. So I mean, if people, so so we control the um, the what do you call it, our supply chain. Yeah, right. We control it. We're the only one that's doing direct to consumer. Mm. Everyone else is are using agents. Yeah, and you just it's very difficult to handle agents. Yeah, they can post whatever picture they want on Shopee. No quality. Other. There's no, no consistency. Quality. Exactly. Misinformation. So, misinformation. Yeah. So we're controlling our supply chain. We're yeah. controlling the content. Yeah. So yeah, they will come back to us, right? Yeah. And, 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 and. I think the way that our audience can think about and listen is that um, to listen to what you've done mm -hmm. relative to the old business, which I think we'll talk about in a bit, you know, how mm -hmm. to contrast that. Yep. And that was what your title means chief innovation officer. Mm -hmm. It's probably bringing these new ideas, new processes, a new set of culture probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and the, I mean, it's, I think it's probably nebulous now. I think maybe another five years, you can probably think about it, you know, 2020 hindsight mm -hmm. and then come up with a very nice little concise line. Right? Yeah. But, but it seems like, you know, it's, it's essentially driving change. Yeah. Right. It is driving change. Which is driving change, but it has to be driving change through creating value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so what is the biggest change you've made so far that has had the biggest impact? In the company or? Yeah, for sure. Biggest change that has created the biggest impact in the company. Yeah, I mean, that's, you got to live up to your title, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Man, okay, so I guess Facebook ads. <laughs> performance, performance marketing. Performance marketing. So what happened was that we only started Facebook ads because of the pandemic. You did it before... Actually, yeah, actually, the very beginning of the pandemic, you started, which was more than a year ago. We started our first ad April... I remember that, yeah. 15, 2020. Yeah. Um, how that happened was I was just bored. Yeah. We were all stuck at home. I uh, couldn't work. So yeah. I was just bored. I was like, what can I do now? Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm just going to create some content. Put it as an ad. Mm. And it blew up. Yeah, I remember we talking about this. The numbers were crazy. You had positive ROI on every sale. And exactly. Yeah, we still yeah. have that. But it blew up in a sense that it became so viral, our ad, yeah. that Facebook banned us. <laughs> Wait, explain that. 
So Facebook ban, it's a very powerful ban. So you couldn't even type our website in a personal chat. Yeah, correct. It was horrible um, because they deemed that our ad was misinformation. Mm. Because um, the video was basically um, pouring water yeah. into an oil fire. Mm. It creates a fireball. A huge fireball. Metaphorically? Not literally. <laughs> literally, it creates a fireball. Yeah. So if, if you have a cooking oil fire, right? Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, this was the ad you were showing. Yeah, that was the ad yeah. I was showing. The content of the ad was the ad. putting water in oil. Yeah, okay. yeah putting, oil, putting water in the oil. So, oh, so it was very sensationalist, essentially. Yes. So that okay. was one of the things that was uh, against the Facebook guidelines, right? Yeah. But then I appealed um, and we got back our... We were unbanned after three days, but three days was a lot of sales. That's not yeah, three days is a lot of sales, but that's not too bad. Some people get stuck for one or two weeks. So what was the oh, process wow. of getting unbanned? I found every way, right? Um, yeah. I was I was just contacting every Facebook support. Yeah. I contacted the Facebook marketing support as well. Yeah. Like I, I've been banned on new startups multiple times too, and I've literally only got saved because I had people working in Singapore I could call. Uh, right? like okay. if you, if you don't have an in, it's it's, I mean, sometimes if you're lucky, if you spend enough money, mm-hmm. you have a, someone's tied to you as an account manager who's active, but that depends on the quality of that account manager. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, a good hack if you're doing performance marketing is you really need an in if you're planning on, you know, performance marketing being something big for your company, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least you have to know how to get unstuck, especially yeah. when you're doing launching new products. And if you're not familiar with the guidelines, which change a lot, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. tools change a lot, right? You have mm-hmm. to know, you have to do what you do. You have to like probably grind and find some way to unban yourself. Otherwise, you just lose a lot of money. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. lost quite a bit. I mean, at three days. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly, after that, the whole shebang, we were given a um, account ho- account management. Is it? Yeah, account, account manager. manager. Yeah, yeah, and that helped us a lot too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> from from asking to be unbanned, they gave us an account manager, and it, it helped with our marketing for a yeah. bit. Yeah. So the biggest change was uh, Facebook ad marketing B two C, which essentially created a whole new category, a exactly. new channel, sales channel. Yes. Uh, today it's growing. It's positive ROI, so you're not losing money, and that kind yeah. of sense you're not a cost center, which. Yep. So then you can kind of figure out, you know, like, does your marketing and sales support actually your team, this kind of stuff. Um, what, how about in terms of percentage of sales? How, how big is B2C relative to B2B? Which is 90%, I guess, is B2B still. So that means 10% is going to be yeah. your B2C. So that's what you created? Yep, yep, yep. So about 10% is B2C right now. Yeah. And it's growing yeah. uh, because our only strategy right now is e-com, e-commerce. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually hiring right now to yeah. reach out to... Um, housing areas, condominiums, yeah. um, the, the people, the association heads, right? Heads yeah. of associations, uh, housing associations, and do group buys. Yeah. We, we realize that a lot of older people um, may not buy things online. Yeah. They prefer buying it as a group. Almost like a pin doa doa group buy kind of thing, right? Yes. In China, so they, you put it together, you get lower rates, and then you can ship it to them, right? Exactly, yeah. So it will grow from 10% for sure because it's the blue ocean. Yeah. Which is very interesting if you think about it. Like, I, you can see it two ways. Mm-hmm. Your, your parents saying that you're a call center, but in one sense, 10% of revenue out of nowhere, it's, it's just it's additive. It's not like it's you know, of the same pie. It's yeah. not like you shifted the sales from it. You created a whole new category. So yep. 10% is quite substantial. At the same time, I could see their side of saying it's, it's, it's 90% is not. Like 90% is way bigger than 10%. Yep. Right? I, so mm-hmm. what's important to look at is the growth rate. Yeah. Is, is it growing at a very fast rate in terms of percentage of sales? So right now, my, my focus was never really on sales previously. Yeah. Um, but I realized that, man, business is just... What's business? It's sales. Yeah, business is sales, right? You have to. Yeah. yeah. So what I realized is that we spent a lot on marketing, Yep. Um, but not too much on the sales side. 
Mm. So we're creating a lot of value for the company, but we're not capturing it too much. Essentially, you're getting a lot of lead gen that you're losing. A probably. lot of lead gen. Yeah, so um, no one's following up on the different types of categorizing what are these customers, what are the segments. Now, what's the correct you know, way to, to get them into the funnel to actually convert a sale, right? Exactly, okay. yeah. So a lot of the B2C um, buyers are B2B, right? They, yeah. they work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so right now, I'm hiring salespeople. I, never, I don't have a salesperson on my team. Yeah. They're all uh, customer experience. Mm -hmm. Their their KPI is never sales. Mm -hmm. So I realized that I need a salesperson. Yeah. So let's jump into marketing sales then, right? Which is probably very important. Like any entrepreneur would need to know this kind of stuff. Anyone Mm -hmm. doing innovation or even thinking about their old business should be thinking about these kind of ways you're thinking about it. So what was the traditional way versus kind of what we've been talking about? Mm -hmm. What was working for the past 47 years? How was that done? And how's that different than what you're doing now? So the reason why they, my parents call me a cost center is because they've never re- spent money to gain a sale. So advertisements, right? Interesting. Well, he has done billboards though, but you just can't measure it, right? Exactly. It's not measurable. Yeah. So for, for ours, it's super measurable. Yeah. Um, basically, how much we spend every month yeah. and uh, how much we, we get direct sales. But we get other things as well, lead generation that goes on to B2B that yeah. becomes... It doesn't become our sale. Why not just feed the B2P to the... We tr- do. Tr- we tr- tr- feed it to the other sales. Yes. That their, their, their father's side. Yes. Yeah. But then I do not control... I see the process of... The, yeah. You know... Exactly. Yeah. Then I mean, because it also comes down to quality of leads and time spent and all those kind of things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but traditionally though, what you're saying is, how did they get so big then with no advertising? <laughs> <laughs> like what was like? How did you become such a uh, profitable, successful business in this niche? So the thing about our industry is that it's basically essential. It's a need. Yeah. It's not a want. Yeah. Which becomes a problem, right? People will just buy it if it's cheap. So mm. even even now, right, when there's a pandemic, fire fire still happens. Yeah. So it's it's more of a natural function of like. To me, the question is, in like, what's the previous user journey before the internet? Like they, for the past 47 years, how, how did they come to you naturally, organically? Yeah. Which so, is amazing. That's a great business, right? <laughs> Every entrepreneur wants that business. <laughs> yeah. So believe it or not, 47, for 47 years, we do not have any outbound salesperson. Zero outbound. It's all inbound. Maybe the first few years, we were knocking on doors. It's just like sitting on a gold mine. It's amazing. Exactly. No yeah. outbound. So yeah. I am hiring the first outbound <laughs> yeah. um, this week. <laughs> um, Innovation right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so it was always inbound uh, because we were lucky enough to be on the federal highway. Okay, so okay, so that technically you could say is the first strategy. Yep. Having a physical presence, yep. being unique enough and rememberable enough yep. where, it, I mean, like, if you could measure every eyeball mm-hmm. and conversion, that it probably could, you could figure out this is probably one of the bigger channels probably. Right? Yes. Yeah. And maybe some billboards maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, billboards because we were... We only went into billboards because the government had a grant mm. um, back then for marketing because okay. a lot of SMEs were not spending money on marketing, mm. branding, even I packaging. Yeah. So the government was pushing for that and yeah. we were lucky enough to have that grant okay. and we just went on on the billboard, right? Okay. Now it's not, not the grant anymore but we see the value in it. It's just branding. Okay, so let's take this from another angle. Um, mm-hmm. 47 years, just natural, perfect, organic, inbound. Yep. So very consistent at its peak of market share, probably. It's probably, mm-hmm. over 47 years, is it still growing organically or is it declining? So I, <laughs> there's a glass ceiling, right? Yeah. There's a glass ceiling. A natural market size probably for fire insurance, right? Um, the glass ceiling is not 
because of the market size. So, the, so you're saying you could grow bigger even? Yes. Okay. The glass ceiling is because of operations. Um, the, the HR, right? Yeah. The, the talent in the company. Mm. So SMEs, right? Yeah. A lot of time, the final say, or like the thinking is done by the founders. Yeah. And the employees are just... They just follow. They just follow. Yeah, they just follow. So the glass yeah. ceiling is the founders. Yeah. Or the founders, right? The directors. Um, and that's their glass ceiling, right? Yeah. So they've never really put money into talent. Well, essentially what you're saying is part of your job of innovation is developing a new culture. Exactly. To, to get an engaged employee base. Exactly. Um, I'll throw you something else you could think about. If you, want employee, if you want an engaged employee base, you should think about giving some employee options then. That's something that's difficult for now. Yeah. Um, because of the founder wanting control. Dynamics and this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's difficult, but I don't think it's impossible. Just time, um, probably. Yeah, just time. Um, I'm actually hiring a people and culture position. Wow, man. Your parents must be... <laughs> this, this son is just burning all the money. <laughs> yeah, but because... Um, just last week, right? Yeah. Um, uh, we, we realized the core problem that we have right now yeah. is turnover of employees and not hiring the right people. You're going to share any numbers on that? Like what's the turnover look like percentage-wise? What does that look like? And then what time frame? We don't have the numbers. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you got a few problems that you yeah. could fix innovation-wise, which is data culture too. Right, the, the fact that the, yeah. uh, like a generating report instantaneously or even a weekly or daily basis, which should, should be happening, yeah. right? You should be getting your daily, weekly, quarterly reports automat yes. automated. Yes. And then the question is, then your parents could see with clarity that, you know, what is the value being driven for each segment, whether it be B2B, B2C or whatever, or mm -hmm. your team even, right? Yeah. Uh, so you got to fix that. And then the second is the talent culture part. Yep. Which honestly is, if you think about it, your mom was a, a refounder you're acting also as a refounder for the next generation. Yeah. As an inheritor. I think so, right? yeah. I guess so. So yeah. in a sense, like you're not doing two things far from entrepreneurship. It's it's entrepreneurship. You're doing mm -hmm. within the company. Right? Yeah. 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 So basically, um, data, right? You mentioned data. Yeah. So that's one of the first things I came in to do, right? Um, developing mm -hmm. an ERP system. Okay. Yeah. Um, and before next, that, paper? It's still paper. Oh, so that's so hard to fix it it's very difficult so yeah. we just launched our ERP two months ago and um, a lot of pushback a lot of pushback I can also understand it because if the ERP is not implemented in a way that people understand yeah it like what happens is people end up not using it and then you're just wasting even more money yeah right. the, the thing is people had to use it right because yeah. it's from top down but not top top down yeah, so you're saying you versus the... Yeah, because... Okay, so my both of my parents skipped the whole generation of using a computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's very hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so asking them to approve quotations on a computer, they just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, but my, my mom's trying. Yeah. Um, but my... We are all trying our best, but it's very difficult, right, to take all of these digital things in. For your business, I would imagine things are pretty rigid and like, it's pretty stable processes. It shouldn't change too much, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess an ERP would be appropriate because the other way I could think about it is just digitalizing department by department and then trying to put it together. Does that make sense? Or, or why did you go straight to ERP? I need data. 
So I came in, started using Shopify. Like yeah. Live, real time data, data, data. Yeah. anywhere I am in the world. Yeah. And I come in looking at our systems. To get our sales report, I have to go to the office physically. Yeah. Get someone to search for the papers and make an Excel count, sheet. Count it, yeah. Count it. Manually make an Excel sheet. Probably enter a type one by one. Manually. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, you, we have like an accounting system, right? But we, you, you can't use an accounting system as an ERP system. It's different. Yeah. I mean, typically that's the first step that it integrates further, right? Yeah. Um, here's an interesting uh, way to look at it for our audience too then is which ERP system are you using and how did they convince you to use that one, right? So say I'm an entrepreneur doing a SaaS business and I come across an SAP as my customer. Like how can we think about engaging you and what convinced you and what's the product like and how do you know it's a good fit for your team below? How do you guarantee they're going to use it, right? And how do I sell to you to do that? So um, we're using a much smaller company. Local? Right? A local SME company. Probably because you need a localized solution for regulations or is it not? It's more on costing. Okay, so you're saying foreign SaaS companies are more expensive. Much more expensive. Okay. So ours is very cheap. And um, What are we talking? What range? Give me a range. 100,000, right? A year? Uh, a year is like a few thousand, a couple thousand. Okay. <laughs> Super cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously comes with um, some drawbacks, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of figuring out to do um, oh, you're telling me it's a fixed, it's one-time cost. The one-time cost is 100K. Okay, just for setup. And then yes. every year, it's a few thousand. A few thousand, okay. yeah. For a workforce of uh, about 50 users. Okay. About 50 users. Okay. Um, so very cheap comparatively. Yeah, right? correct. Um, some companies, the setup costs are like in the millions. Is this cloud-native, cloud-based? It's cloud-based, yeah. Okay. It's cloud-based. Um, the thing is, my mom was really into the digital because she sits on the board of a lot of um, associations yeah. so she's the um, president of the Malaysian Fire Protection Association yeah. but she's also on the board of the FMM which is the Federation of Malaysian Manufacturers yeah. so FMM is basically the voice of manufacturers in Malaysia they yeah. work very closely with the government yeah. government incentives everything is FMM, um, FMM right yeah. so she understands like big data AI yeah. or she's exposed to the concepts she's exposed and she to sees them. people attempting to use and engage which is good exactly yeah. yeah so she's very exposed to that so she was bought into it too Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so it made it slightly easier for me to implement it. Yeah, yeah. the the ERP system at least. Okay, so um, then how did this? How did you did you find it, or did someone approach you, or how can someone go about selling an SME company? Uh, this was through a friend of a friend. Okay, so a referral network. Yes, referral. so referrals were pretty strong. Um, going forward, how would you consume more technology or SaaS then? Would it be global SaaS, more localized SaaS, or what are your more better way to put it is like what problems are you facing and what technology can solve it? So right now we are looking for a CRM provider, customer relationship management software, mm-hmm. and we were deciding between two because you're talking about selling to B two B essentially. So you want a, a tool to manage that process. Yes, and B two C too, right? Yeah. So we were looking for a software okay. to do that, a CRM software, and there was we were looking at two, right? Yeah. I'm not sure if I should name names. Um, sure. I mean, it's up to you. I don't see why not. Okay. Yeah. So it's between Zoho. Okay. Which is Zoho is actually actually I don't know. I've come across it many times. I think I have used it even in my mm-hmm. past companies. But are they local or? So Zoho is I think Indian, if not mistaken. I think so. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, Indian, but they have presence. They have agents in Malaysia. Yeah. Actually, all around Southeast Asia, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And their pricing is probably much better than say, uh, what's the other one? HubSpot. Uh, not HubSpot. Uh, Salesforce. 
Salesforce. Yeah, I guess I, for, I forget. What, no, I forget. But it's the other the other CRM with that also does chat messenger or. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah they're, they're they're quite affordable in terms of like. Actually, okay. I was thinking of Zoho because I wanted to use my past startup. I want to use them for messaging. I was comparing mm-hmm. messaging messaging features. Got it. Okay, never mind. Yeah, so we were looking between Zoho yeah. and a um, HubSpot. HubSpot, yeah. So HubSpot is very startup-y, right? Uh, HubSpot is uh, international US-based company, global yep. SaaS, right? Yep. But then Zoho is Indian-based, emerging markets-focused. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I really like HubSpot, like UI, UI UX experience. Yeah, it feels good, makes sense. Feels good, but they don't have a local agent. Oh, so problems with what integrating it? Yes. So uh, we have a lot of integrations that's very SME-focused, right? Very tedious so, thing. So customization, essentially. Customization. So it, it was diffi- it's more difficult. So does that mean you work with the Zoho agent? Well, like you're engaging now to kind of set that up. And yep. Is it feasible? Is it easy? I don't think anything is easy. Setting up the ERP, we're still setting it up, yeah. we're still fixing. Yeah, it's not easy, um, but we know that this is the way forward. And then how? Okay, so if I'm to think about it from the Zoho perspective, mm-hmm. do do you only need to sign off on it? Do your parents need to sign off it? Do your parents have to use it too? Uh, how like how does this work? Like how how do we, how like how do we sure success of ERP plus Zoho CRM and everything com- comes together eventually? So I think my parents know that I will be taking over. So they're accepting that this is. They're accepting that I will be taking over, right? That's for sure. That, that's for sure. Okay. Yeah. So they know that this is the way forward for me. It's difficult for me to. Are they going to use it? Their salespeople are. Are they, is this a guarantee? This is a top-down command from the top? So whatever brings up sales, right? Okay. Whatever brings up the sale count. Um, so my strategy in the company is basically creating a smaller company in my team Yeah. and then expanding it out. So, so, so eventually that would be the culture and team eventually. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of times um, the, the, the second generation or yeah. third generation come in as sh- shadowing the parents, yeah. sharing, shadowing the founders. Yeah. They know that that doesn't work for me. And they allow it, which is nice. They allow it because their business is stable, right? Yeah. Very stable. So they allow me to play around basically, right? Yeah. So then I started a team yeah. and where it's technically now a yeah. smaller version of a bigger team. Like yeah. I have one logistics person. Yeah. I have customer experience. Yeah. I have um, digital marketing. I have um, basically we're self-sustainable, right? Yeah. If you take, out, take us out um, of the company, we can still run yeah. as a separate company, right? We don't need anyone else yeah. except the manufacturing side. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Um, so yeah, the CRM will be used by us first. Okay, and then eventually, hopefully, can yeah. So I mean, so the very tricky part about this is managing the two cultures yeah. and, and a rift that can come up, and having weird two processes that are very inefficient and integration and loss of synergies, right? Yeah. Um, because if it's prolonged for a long time and you can't get that control, it's gonna be in a weird spot, and mm-hmm. then you lose out on a lot of value creation by by trying to transition everyone to the same platform shared data mm-hmm. right so I, I think that's a very tough challenge ahead do you have any plans on how to reconcile these two worlds I think my style is really just do it and then figure out on the way mm-hmm. that has been um, how I'm I mean the style I've been doing right yeah. um, for the past few years as well um, even the ERP right now there are a lot of problems Yeah. Um, but we're just fixing on the spot right one by we, one yeah um it's difficult to go back yeah. to our old system. So we're just fixing it and promising yeah. <laughs> and obviously working towards a promise that this ERP system will reap benefits. 
Drive efficiency, lower costs, increase sales. Automation. Automation, The the main thing is automation. Well, that's also very scary because if I'm uh, part of your parents' generation workforce, I'm just going to fight you a tooth and nail so because I hold on to my job until I retire, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I hope this is not the case, but, you know, in the worst cases, this could lead to, like, sabotage. I'm not going to use it. I put wrong information, right? So, is this a concern? I don't think anybody would sabotage it. Yeah. Um, I think the... So, it's a good culture everyone wants to try, at least. It was... It is difficult still. Yeah. Um, but we identified someone um, in the company that yeah. can push this change. So, Some, you're finding a local champion to drive the change. Yes. And um, that local champ. It's a really funny story, right? Yeah. Um, I hired him. Yeah. Um, actually, I interviewed him. I ad- identified him. Um, graduate from Hawaii. Um, University of Hawaii. I think Aloha. so. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he came in for an interview. And he is a really nice guy. Yeah. But I just didn't know what to do with him. Mm. So I told my mom, hey, why not interview this guy? Right? Mm. Um, and she said, yeah, he's a really nice guy. Uh, okay, let's just take a chance. What's his and name? His name is Brandon. Brandon, okay. Yeah, Brandon, yeah. Right. I hope maybe he's listening to this. Um, a nice guy. So my mom took him in into yeah. telesales, basically uh, uh, phone sales, right? Yeah. And he's stuck on, right? He's, he's been almost one and a half years, I think, nice. of him working. Um, and he's, he's one of the most loyal, responsible um, employee. Yeah. The funny thing is when he... When I interviewed him, I actually asked him to apply for other jobs because <laughs> he's such a nice person Yeah, that I told him, hey, go apply for social enterprises. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, he did. Because he wants to do good. <laughs> yes, he wants yeah. to do good and okay. he still does want to do good. Yeah. So I asked him to apply but thankfully, the other companies did not get back to him Yeah, <laughs> and he's with us and um, right now, I realize how responsible he is. We have meetings on Friday nights, Saturday nights till like 1, 12 a.m. Nice. He's on it. He's, he's my age, like yeah. 28, right? Um, he's the champion of yeah, this change. now yeah, of change and uh, he will be for the CRM as well yeah so if I'm thinking this as a, a company who wants to sell to you uh, this is a unique circumstance mm-hmm. I just need to sell to you yeah the one who's gonna like if I could understand the dynamic of your business yep. which is quite unique from business to business mm-hmm. I want to talk to you because you're going to be driving the change and your parents are allowing the change mm-hmm. And then you are finding local champions to push with it. So the element of a successful sale means that I need to know further your team, how it's structured and mm-hmm. how that change is happening to make sure like you are connecting the right dots. Because even if I could sell to you, my retention stickiness is not there if the champions fail. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's very important to get all the dynamics. You're, you're doing it from the building perspective, but from a sales perspective, you kind of want to align all this kind of information, which is very complex actually, right? It is. I think pushing forward to go even get into this project of ERP, yeah. um, what I did was basically scaring them, right? Yeah. It's like, if you don't do it, you'll fall behind. Yeah. So that has been my... FOMO. Yeah, FOMO. Great, yeah. great, great motivator. Yeah, FOMO, right? So that has been my tactic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, usually these conversations do not happen at the office, right? It of usually course, happens outside of a home, vacations. Golfing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Golfing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, so I guess family businesses, um, very different strategies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think that's a very good section, uh, good section we talked about. But the last section I want to talk about then is what the same theme that will come up for every family business I've interviewed, which is succession planning. Mm-hmm. And before we dive into that, it's very important to understand the vision of what your parents want for the future. Even if it's very simple. Mm-hmm. What has been the vision for firefighter industries coming from your parents. And is it different between mom and dad or is it the same? So this is really funny, yeah. right? Um, we got into a lot of arguments because 
I asked them one question that they cannot answer until today. <laughs> what is Division of Firefighter? Mm. Do they have different answers or? They don't have an answer. They never really thought about it, right? It, they just work. They're businessmen. They yeah, just work. And, and the industry kind of worked that way. So, but the problem is if you don't think about it. Yeah. Because of what changes, market dynamics change, structures change, uh, innovation happens. If they don't actually engage with the question, then they become obsolete eventually and you lose your market share and yep. your dominance and someone takes your, your cake essentially. Yeah. Right. So are they aware this is the issue at hand? So they, they actually thought about it, right? They okay, because you they, brought it to their attention. Every time and every time there was an argument because yeah. it's very frustrating if you just don't have an answer, right? It's existential. Yeah. You're trying to find meaning of why you're living and how you're living, but instead, most of the time, people plow into their work and have the success from it. And they derive the success from that, right? Yeah. So when you take the time to pause and think, that's also very scary because it also ties into your death. It ties into what happens after that. Right, so essentially you're asking more than, you know, when you say what is your vision, it is a very big question attached to many other nuances, right? Yeah. So I think the first answer that I got was, so I asked my, asked my dad, so what's the vision for Firefighter? He's like, oh, make money. That's it. Just make money. That, honestly, that could be a simple vision. So the, honestly, <laughs> it would have to be making more money. Yeah. Then if you start there, you could work backwards. Like if we operate in the way that we're operating, you make less money, Right. Yeah. If you do it like a... That's true. Ex, ex, no, yeah. uh, if you don't change nothing, right? Yeah. You do the intellectual exercise, mm-hmm. right? So then you, you, you pose that to him. And then he says, oh, but then like you have to prove it though. Yeah. And the question is, how do you prove that? Yeah. You just can't cry about it, stop your foot and say you're old and it's not going to work, right? You have to actually bring the like, data and examples and uh, it's, it's also doing a sale and a vision, storytelling, which you were very good at from your early days of startups, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then it's, I think you could start there and then... Um, I don't know. Is, it, so is, is that the same for your mom? Make money or... For my mom, she thought about it harder, right? Yeah. Um, but basically, what they both agreed is that we want to be the leaders in fire safety, right? Because that's well, it's a great vision already, right? Yeah, but it's it's not niche enough. I feel, right? I I think when you you, you look at it a startup way, right? You need to be uh, your one liner needs to explain everything, okay? And to be niche, yeah. But fire safety is huge. It's so ironic you say that because. It, like as a part of the other bigger industries, it also is niche too, though, right? That's true, right? That's true. But you're saying that it goes even deeper, that like you know, because within fire safety, there's probably so many segments and categories, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, from the different various products to the insurance to the yep. uh, to the products yep. to the government contracts to yes. uh, infrastructure for buildings, yes, to um, you know warehouse to commercial to residential, yes. So I guess what you're saying, yeah. Uh, do you have to be a little bit more specific about what vision? Are you saying you can own all those categories? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be number one in all of them? And then, I guess what you're saying is you want to cement yourself in probably something first and then build out from there to go get other categories. Yep. So I think what they mentioned is everything, right? Yeah. But it's, it's so hard, right? You, which, which means they didn't think even deeper enough, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I did was I just forced the vision to them. Mm. So if you... Okay, so what is your vision then? So if, I mean, my vision is, is large as hell as well. Of course. Um, yeah. I think the first thing you see when you come to my floor in the office is a hashtag, hashtag Fireproof Malaysia. Mm. So that's our vision in a much bigger scale. So essentially, if I see fireproofing anywhere, it's going to be firefighter industries. Yeah, fire safety, you want to think about us. But yeah. how, how do we do that, right? So um, my strength is in media, right? So yeah. it's very B2C. Yeah. So we have... Can you do B2B with media? Different kind of media. Different right? kind, right? Yeah. Different kind. 
Um, so I, I try to think of us um, similar to Samsung, right? Yeah. They do everything, right? They do... The conglomerate, right? Yeah, they're yeah. huge, right? They do washing machines, but they also do like data centers and everything, right? But the, the, the B2C product is their phones. Yeah. But, but also, it's, I mean, even before the phones, they had, they had developed the branding around being a trusted brand. Mm-hmm. And probably most of the sale was driven by on the B two B side. I, I don't know if this is true. I'm guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, eventually the rise of mobile and dominance helps further cement more branding, obviously. Mm-hmm. But but uh, building a trusted brand probably does help that. Yeah. Right? So that's what I'm trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Building a trusted brand in the B two C side, yeah. because it's a lot easier to market a B two C item mm-hmm. compared to a B two B item. What was your mom's conclusion again? What did she say? <laughs> That's a good question. I need to ask her again, but yeah. they don't really think about it even until today. Interesting. So there's no... There's no North well, Star. Also, they don't want you to drive it to the ground. Yeah. So you have to build that trust, right? Yeah. But there's nothing to probably reconcile between difference of vision then. I think at the end of the day, it's just, it literally is still sales. You pretty get... Okay, if you don't fuck up the business, you get a... You know, you pretty much get a clean slate. So yeah. as long as you learn how to do the business, yeah. the core business, and keep driving and growing that, yeah. uh, the vision is yours to paint. Yeah. So in the beginning, I was very adamant. Like, I don't want it to be to be. I want to get out of the B2B arena, right? So I was only focusing on B2C. Okay, but that's probably because of why? I think I'm just good at B2C, right? I, okay. I don't want to get into B2B because B2B, there's politics involved. You think that's naive? Yeah. So, but then, yeah, what? yeah a few months ago, I was like, hey... Uh, I mean, if I were to take over this company, I have to get into B2B. Yeah. There's no way it's out also, of it. It's also 90% currently. Exactly. You can't ignore it, even if it's diminishing. But the question is also total market size. And okay. of course, from I think from a category expansion, you could think about B2C, but you could still think of category expansion even from a B2B side too. Yes. Right? So yeah. there's so much, like even if you're saying what you're doing, you're not even the biggest player, that means you could grow still. That's a huge... Whether it's taking someone's pie or creating new categories, right? Yep. Yep. So... Yeah, it's good. You kind of pull up your big point pants. You're like, you have to look at all aspects of the business to understand it to be successful, right? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. And I'm um, taking out more roles. Um, I, I think hiring is very important. So I'm into hiring as well. Yeah. And procurement. I need to know the cost price of everything. Um, and all these, I'm, I'm really still learning, right? Yeah. I mean, essentially, they have the benefit of 47 years. Yeah. You have the benefit of a few years. So it's a really large gap to fill. Yeah. But that just comes with time and experience, you yeah. know. And... Do you love fire safety? I love that there is a huge opportunity. I like okay. that no one is looking into fire safety. You could build a great moat before someone else figures it out, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I like that's a huge... I, I like that there's a lot more that we can do. Yeah. So... With that in mind, the vision part's very clear. That's, that's luckily, you're quite easy. A lot mm-hmm. of times, people fight for different visions. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Where to focus? Should I do international? Should I do this market? Or should I do that? Or should I, you know, this segment, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yours to paint. It seems like you're lucky. Um, how do you think about planning afterwards? Do you, or do you think this is your mission for us? The life is fire safety. Right? Because <laughs> I've talked to many family business yep. people. And it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it is for life. Mm-hmm. That's going to be their mission and goal. But sometimes an, an event happens where this is a once-in-a-lifetime event where you, this will never happen again where someone wants to buy your company for a crazy price. And mm-hmm. the market's right. It's very yep. frothy. The price is right. But they, a lot of times people haven't paused. Like your parents, they haven't paused to think. 
what comes after that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're probably looking at retirement in the next few years. Yeah, they'll never retire. That's something I know. There you go. Well, the question is, yeah, so what, what, what is next then? No, do you think about life beyond this or is this for the rest of life? What happens if you can sell the company and the parents likes the price? What if it's a billion dollars? You can say no, right? So then how do you think about that? Yeah, so we have been approached. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, we have been approached. Um, but I think I will, at this point in time, there's still huge potential for growth. And if, I, if I, we do sell it now... What are you going to do? Not, yeah, what am I going to do? But also, I don't think we've reached the, the potential that I want to hit. Well, we have like, not reached that destination yeah. yet to sell. It's like, you know, uh, when, when Mark Zuckerberg was, you know, asked to you know, sell Facebook or not, the question, it's always comes out to the question of like, how much belief do you have and how much knowledge do you have that, that can actually go bigger yeah. in your ability to succeed in that. Yeah. And if the problem is if you have no clarity, the advice that I've gotten was that if, if you don't really see a clear path or you, mm -hmm. you feel uncertain about it, like say like your heart was somewhere else, mm -hmm. just sell it, right? But like, so it sounds like you found your, your, your niche, your belief by actually building in this and growing in it. So there's no point to sell actually. At this point in time, yeah, no, correct. right. Um, but I think I will get into media yeah. personally in the future. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm slowly building that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Using media to sell our products. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're building your expertise and the, the infrastructure. Yeah. That talent could, you know, as long as they're loyal, you could keep them. could always be repurposed to other types of media, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. I will go into the next thing when this gets boring, but I don't think it's going to get boring I don't think it'll get boring. Do you think you'll ever professionalize it so you could focus more on media? Maybe like 20 years down the line. Yeah, because at the point, it's going to be, uh, in theory, if everything works out, more categories, more revenue, B2C, B2C, mm -hmm. uh, taking other market share even, right? So if it's even bigger and more profitable. So you jump from SME to large cap yep. company. Yep. Right, so that's probably... I don't know this, the TAM of, of fire safety in Malaysia. Is it a billion dollar company or not? Or somewhere in between a few hundred million dollar company. Mm -hmm. But even a, a profitable few hundred million dollar company, 20 years from now, you probably could do a lot of stuff with the profits, right? Yeah. So yeah. In terms of investing whatever you care about building in the future, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, how has your parents help, dealt with succession planning then? I don't think they'd think about it. Just like the vision. Interesting. Because that's some of the other advice I've gotten for other family businesses. Like it should be very explicit. You need to have the conversation. You need to write down like a constitution. No, never talked about it. So it's something that you probably have to also do then. Right? I, I forced them, right? Yeah. I, I prod them. And yeah. has got, I have gotten into a lot of arguments. Like talking about shares, right? Talking about shares. Very difficult question to talk about. Well, traditionally, what we've seen after a few generations is that if you have too many siblings who take up shares you have nothing after one or two generations because it just dilutes and dilutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The more successful family business we've seen in a region or even like for hundreds of years in Europe and in the US, right? It's that uh, the ones that can continue is like when you have one single guy inheriting everything, he still takes care of the family, but mm -hmm. you have control. Mm -hmm, without mm -hmm. that control, you lose all that value. That's true. Is, yeah. that, is that what you guys are deciding or how do you think about it? I don't think it's something I can have a say in. It's up to my parents. Well, you should probably think about it differently because this is your future. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the control of your future, what's going to happen is it's like any startup founder, if they don't have the incentives or the equity, mm -hmm. they're just going to leave. It's too easy. That's true. So right now, technically, my siblings are not in. Yeah. Technically. 
technically. So there is very sensitive actually to talk about this. But yeah, I, under, I understand. I understand the sensitivity of it. So yeah, um, but I see it in a similar to what you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one single inheritor, um, but I see a, a different way as well. Subsidiaries, right? Right. Once yeah. you become a huge company, you can do can have a subsidiary just for cafes, uh, F&B. Yeah. Um, I think that's a better route for us. If, I, well, the other problem is like, how far dilution away do you get of actual entrepreneurs? Because if it's a vanity project of lifestyle F&Bs, but they're just doing it just for the wrong reasons, not an actual business, mm-hmm. that money also pisses away in subsidiaries, right? Yeah, that so, is true as well. And I will figure that out when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> So essentially, it's uh, a process in the works that you have to also figure out. Yeah. Part of the innovation process. Yeah. I'll give you, uh, in your other podcast, you mentioned that there wasn't as much content about family business and this kind of stuff. But I'd say in the West, there's a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would urge you to watch this awesome show called Succession. Okay. Okay. I've li- like, if that show, I've seen a lot of uh, family business in Asia and mm-hmm. I could see a character for everyone of the family business that I've in- engaged with it's, a, it's like if you want to see like a very intense version uh, yeah. for you it's not going to be as crazy I think but mm-hmm. but it's a very good show to, to kind of uh, it, process it, that is it a uh, what, is it drama or is it it's reality a, TV show drama and a little bit of comedy okay. more, more drama more drama but, <laughs> okay. but it, it's you know there, there are the elements of the humor in between it and okay. uh, three seasons on HBO uh, really interesting insights into the worlds of family business and dynamics around that and I think you could appreciate some of the themes so. I think so too yeah, yeah. yeah I'm still trying to navigate around the whole family yeah. business idea <laughs> so my last two questions then you know I see often that when I talk with my friends who have a family business they have a lot of baggage living in the shadow of success and the people viewing you as a beneficiary versus a driver of value mm-hmm. how do you deal with that and how, and how do you accept it how do you accept it to to, to explain yourself and how you want to see yourself. Baggage in terms of what? It's always a big concern for them. Mm-hmm. I need to be the one with credit. I'm the one also driving value. I, you know, it's always more like, how can I prove to my father or my mother that I am successful too? Mm-hmm. Or how can I show my friends that I also am a better businessman than my parents? But it's very hard because you're not the founder. Mm-hmm. Do you have this baggage or you don't have this baggage? I think a little bit, but what I realized after like one year plus, right, um, yeah. I, uh, is that sales matters. <laughs> okay. So if I bring in sales, you get the credibility. Exactly. Yeah. If I bring in sales, if we go viral. Yeah. Um, if so, my my dad sees success when someone talks. One of his friends shares our ads to him. That's very family business. <laughs> very like. Was, is it a fair to say very China business style, I guess? Very, yeah. yeah. It's very China, yeah. I right. mean... Which, which a lot of people in those situations derive perceived value from what people around them are saying. Exactly. Which is reputation. Because like when you already have everything else, what matters the most, right? Reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so. yeah. Yeah, so reputation from his friends, right? Yeah. He, uh, when his friends talk about, hey, I saw the ad. Or is it? And then, then he would call me and say, hey, what ad are you running right now? Yeah. It's like, oh, good job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you deal with it then? You just put your head down and work or you don't let it bother you? How do you deal with it? It doesn't bother me at all. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm juggling a few things, right? I need to gain the trust from the founders. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time with them. 
um, outside of work as well. <laughs> Which is almost 100% of the time you're spending time with them, almost. Maybe 90% of the time. Yeah, but they understand that I have a life of my own too, so I yeah. say no a lot, but um, they have a way of making me feel bad. <laughs> Typical good Asian parents. You know, they have that superpower, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, most of the time, I get the things I want yeah. outside of work. Yeah, I get the budgets outside of work. <laughs> That's how business is done, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess so, yeah. You're yeah, right. right. Yeah, it's not just it's, family. It's different way of doing business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, last question then. As a young person, how do you know that you are not just self-assuring yourself versus being truly confident for all the decisions you're making now, especially relative you know, to your parents? Well, metrics, right? Okay. Yeah, metrics. Um, and many, many different metrics, but I think the main metrics, as I mentioned again, is sales. Okay. It's sales. Um, but in the beginning, I was really focusing on just the numbers in marketing numbers, right? Yeah. Le- uh, eyeballs, leads, yeah. um, and it's now converting to sales. Mm-hmm. So I'm still looking to metrics, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so essentially, just basically measure yourself, and as you continue to do the exercise of growing sales, and you get more sales, you can be more confident. Then you know that your ideas have credibility. Yeah, and, exactly. and a great way to test your credibility is against you know, am I driving value of sales to the business? Yep. And of course, it's more holistic. It's just not pure sales because you could do very destructive things just in the pursuit of sales. Mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's long-term sticky sales too. Yeah. So, so it's another way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's another way to look at it. Um, and I'm just building a brand right now. I'm yeah. building a brand, um, making sure that, yeah, building a household brand, right? Yeah. Um, but It sounds great. It sounds like you've figured out both sides. You know, the, the brand side, which builds a moat, also tied to, you know, you need healthy sales to actually survive for the future. Yeah, I think since day one, we have never made a loss, at least for my team. Very good. Um, yeah, we've never spent more than we've made. Um, I think I'm the biggest cost. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm split, right? I'm split between yeah. all departments, so they yeah, should correct. not see me as, as that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything to plug before we wrap up? Anything you want to say? Any advice or anything you want to share that's coming up? Check out TikTok. Check out TikTok for Firefighter Industries Malaysia. Firefighter, firefighter.my which Firefighter.my is, Which is also our, our website Website and TikTok Yes, and TikTok um, For the older listeners out there Check out TikTok You will learn a lot of things I am not personally on TikTok But I get TikTok videos sent to me By my friends and family Okay, perfect <laughs> Thank you for your time today, Brian <laughs> Thanks, Alex <laughs> Hey listeners Thanks for listening to Brian's episode If you enjoyed the content Or learned something new please share this with your friends or family or for anyone who would benefit and give us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. So what did we learn today? Some people are blessed early on and can identify what their superpower is. Have you ever introspected and thought about yourself? How well do you know yourself? What is your true superpower? What would your friends say your superpower is? Brian was fortunate enough to learn what his superpower was early on his journey. He was always solving hard problems and applying his skills along the way and after some reflection he realized what his strengths were and how to use them effectively from his startup competitions to founding his hardware company to bringing all those lessons to the family business more importantly he's been able to incorporate them in his refounding of firefighter industries as an entrepreneur to drive value and change there's a constant theme of growth and adaptation in brian's story which is important no matter what kind of business you're in i'll see you guys back here for next week's episode eoa out